Yes. They're gonna, he's going to be like, hello, this is Senator. And you'd be like, what the fuck? Listen, Senator, it's been a while since we've talked. So now, yeah, you're right. Spirit categories, right? And we're going to kind of go off that TTB sheet of like, right? We're just going to read definitions from a government document. That makes for good. <laughs> for at least an hour and a half, we are going to read to you the standards of identity. So, so let's get back to the serious question, though. What what category would Mooncorn Whiskey be under? That's that's what I fucking want to know. DSS, motherfucker. DSS. Oh man, there's gonna be a big fight about what, that. Why is it Moon? DSS? It could be just because I said so. Everything's DSS. I guess because when you don't know what to do with something, where do you put it? Well, hold on, DSS. hold on. America's flag is on the moon. Thus, it is American whiskey. So you could call it a bourbon. It falls under the if it's a hundred percent corn whiskey, right? You can moon call moon whiskey, corn yeah. whiskey a bourbon. Moon corn. <laughs> uh, I can't wait until we get to the podcast fifty years from now when we're talking shit about rapid maturation aging on moon corn whiskey. Yeah. Like that's the fucking future. <laughs> Like, dude, the fucking beehive barrels finally came around. <laughs> they they work on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Oh, so I got this. Uh, one day. There's a guy. Do you guys know what a bag house is? No. No. Okay, so like when you're dealing with grain and hair mills, there's a lot of dust, right? So it's like a membrane. To, it's like a dust collection system. So it doesn't catch on fire or explode? Right, yep. it's contained. Got it. So this bag house, you have to replace the bags every so often. And we have a guy that does that. He works for a company called Dustex, and his name is Lucky, and he's <laughs> Greek. And he's like the nicest guy ever, and I fucking love him. And we got to talking about making wine and making spirits, and he brought me Rocky, right, which is – like Greek kind of uh, grappa. So he brought me like this homemade grappa. Wait, is it from that Greek wine? What is that? What is that stuff called? <coughs> yeah, no. The, see, like the Raki or R A K I. It like sometimes they start they add like and they add some botanicals to it. But I think the Greeks they really just it's pretty much exactly like grappa. I was like, oh, man, thank you so much. And because uh, I asked him, like, we were talking about it like six months ago. And, you know, it shut down, so he's here to replace the bags. And he brought it for me. And to be honest with you, it's really fucking good. <laughs> like, And I, I was it. like, that's awesome. Yeah. I was like, that's really cool. Just like those are the spirits. That's It's those little moments that I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Absolutely. Well, that's a perfect segue. So that's kind of a random spirit product that can, we can use that as a jumping off point to talk about the standards of identity and spirits categories. So one of you guys, let's just give an overview of what the standard of identity is. Wait, you're not going to do the intro? No, God, no. Why do you keep yeah, making me do an intro? Because you're so <laughs> good at it. Okay. I'm going to read the thing on my notes here and try and make it sound like my <laughs> podcast voice. And you have to do the final thing that Devin was giving you shit about. Oh, too. yeah. Do I, should I do that at the beginning or the end? 
This is the Still Talking Podcast, our reverent industry podcast with Colton Zeno and myself, Brian. Today, we're talking about the standards of identity. Someone explain what the hell that is. SOI. Oh, that was quick. That's great explanation. That was (laughs) three letters. Thanks. That's all I got, kids. (laughs) I'm just talking to the people in your basement, not necessarily listeners. Yo, do you want me to quantum down? I... I mean, I, I guess so. Like the way I understand the standards of identity, it's in order for you to call a spirit a specific thing, it has to meet certain requirements, certain guide rails, right? So, for instance, bourbon, <coughs> right? What does bourbon have to be? Cold pop be quiz. Ma- has to be made on the moon. <laughs> has to be with moon corn. Pop quiz hot shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fifty-one percent corn. Moon corn. Moon corn. On the uh, American side of the moon. Don't forget that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that what the dark the dark side is the other? <laughs> that's Russia. Yeah. Ooh, that's right. Uh, so what? 51% corn, new American oak charred barrels <clears throat> made somewhere in America and barreled at 125 or less proof. Okay. Yeah. I, miss yeah. anything? I think those are the only guidelines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In terms of yeah. the standards of identity, yeah. And then that yeah. that criteria with bourbon is protected by international trade agreements with other countries to try and protect that, similar to what Mexico does with tequila. But that's a little off topic, but tied in. Well, so yeah, hard. so I think, yeah, right, there's, so there's a couple sort of broader, there's, you know, whiskey, and then you get into bourbon or, or scotch yeah. or Japanese whiskey, right? So. Right. Man, we are in sync tonight because I was just thinking. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you can build off of that. There's like bottle and bond, yeah. right? Like that has more regulation. So it's like it's like a organizational tree or it's a hierarchy of standard of identities, right? Like there's, well, there's broad category of whiskey and then there's bourbon and then there's bottle and bond, right? So like I get, you know, why we, why we broke everything up into bourbon and scotch, right? right? So it's to, you know take out competition if you can only make bourbon in america that's great for american spirit producers same with scotch but how did they come around with you know the definition of whiskey zeno you 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 I, came up with actually that back i in just learned that. right you just you yeah. wrote that down like on a napkin <laughs> yeah. like this is what whiskey is about time no it was actually it was actually similar to i think the way it was derived it was similar to like the way bottle and bond is. God damn it! I just know. I just heard this history. So like it was there to protect. So you could only put certain in things yeah. into it to get an identity, right? Like bottle and bond is so, like they don't fucking put antifreeze in or whatever, whatever they were doing, right. right? So like that was like no, you have to use grain, right? So I think it was in that regards, and then it just kind of expanded from there does that sound right i mean i'm totally making up history <laughs> listener <laughs> i mean it's sa- it sounds right i think i think once we get more into the you know specific bottle and bond or or even just bourbon scotch then it starts to make sense for regulations and to keep people from you know adding weird antifreeze or whatever but yeah but you had to start somewhere right yeah like it's so you can't have a knockoff right like all way back in the day it's almost like oh i'm selling you this whiskey and it's made from like toenail shavings like i mean it was just like oh no well like or they used 10 percent grain and the rest of it is i don't know whatever sugar right like whatever it is 
think I think it was just to give a definition right. to something. And, I don't I don't think you need to look into it too right. much. How much of it is also the marketing aspect where consumer will know based on a category roughly what they're going to be getting to? Or is it just human nature where we like to catalog and categorize things based on similar characteristics? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we should have done some research, but when when did that's the also the subtitle of, of this podcast. When did the standards <laughs> of identity become standards? Right? Like when did they? When was it official? Well, you know what? Let's not get into the nitty gritty of the actual standards of identity. I think that's just something we can keep in mind as we talk. Let's maybe dig a little more into the actual categories. Like, where do you want to start? Do you want to talk DSS? Do you want to talk Gen? You know, what's what's tickling your fancy today? I think it'd be interesting to talk about each of them a little bit more detail. Honey spirits, absolutely. <laughs> this podcast yeah. is all honey spirits. They don't have a category. Yeah. I mean, that's why we that's yeah. why we brought it up originally. Is we just had the honey conference and so that's a really honey, good point. Honey, honey spirits, spirits don't belong. They don't really fit in. You know what? What do you call them? Like I've heard people call them like honey eau de vie, but that makes it sound like, it's like a, brandy. a brandy, and it's right. you know yeah. it's not. So so essentially, right now the way it stands <laughs> is honey based spirits primarily would be. Unless it's, well, I guess, unless it's like a vodka or something, it's going to be a DSS, a distilled spirit specialty. So do honey-based spirits need their own category? Do we need to, you know, proposition the TTB, go through all the, you know, open forum to try and get another category? What do you guys feel about that? I mean, how variable and how flexible should these standards of identity and these categories be? I think that they should be very flexible, but that's a very selfish thing because I like to drink. Um, I mean, yeah, they're not flexible until there's a major economic you know reason right so dss covers most of the sort of weird one or two off type of spirits yeah and then you know you have your major ones whiskey gin rum they're like very clear cut then dss is just kind of the catch-all right it's the miscellaneous category which sucks because like so back to the honey thing isn't that like a I don't want to say this. I don't want to call them out because I could be totally wrong. Is it like New Caledonia <laughs> makes like a honey gin? It's just ca- it's like Caledonia. And it's Caledonia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they do. And it's, and it's a honey gin. So it's like, wait, but that's referred to as a gin. It's probably on a gin shelf and it meets the requirements that are for gin, I guess. Right. And to be funny is like, I don't even really know what the TTB guidelines are for gin because it's very <laughs> loose. Right. Well, and that's an interesting point when it comes to the TTB. In a lot of cases, when you're doing formula approval, they're leaving it up to you to screw it up. I mean, they may actually give sure. <laughs> you approval on something like even a cola too, your actual label application. If you put incorrect information on there, something that's not supposed to be there and they don't catch it and it goes through, that doesn't mean you still can't get in trouble or get it revoked later on when they do find it. So you can't use the you guys approved it so it's okay argument when it comes to the TTB. So you have to be really careful when you're applying for colas or formulas. Well, that's what – guys, you got to stop saying colas on here because if someone – a listener is not going to know what that means unless they're a producer. You know, I, I actually don't know what it stands for. <laughs> I know what it means. Have you ever applied for a cola? Are you an illegal <laughs> distillery, Colton? Do you, have, do you know what the TTB is? Do you pay taxes? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Wait, you're supposed to do that? <laughs> no, he's Jewish. He doesn't No, pay I'm Jewish and grow corn on the moon. There's no taxes. <laughs> 
I have no idea what to do with that. <laughs> that made me sound really anti-Semitic, <laughs> yeah. and I'm sorry. Well, yeah. it's okay. You're already just throwing out random generalities about you know. Um, it's, you know, yeah. it's best is Greeks I'm going to cut. Yeah. I'm going to cut out Zeno's Jew joke and leave in the. That made me sound really anti-Semitic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> listener will do. have no idea. <laughs> no segue at all. <laughs> Uh, but we were getting we were getting down a good yeah. road there though. Like I mean, I think we should define cola because yeah, cola. That was that was my point. Yeah. yeah. So Zeno, Zeno, you, you going to look it up or are you just going to point like it to out? Know. No, I'm not going to look it up. I have no idea what it stands for. I know what it is. Yeah, but I'm looking. Good, we're, we're going to learn something on this podcast. All right, hold listener. up while Brian's looking. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. Uh, it's the certificate of label approval exemption. No, slash that's exemption. what I was going to guess. No, no, it wasn't. You're <laughs> yeah, so full of shit. <laughs> Obviously. Okay. So all that being said, so I think that's a big driving factor though, right? It has to be. So here's a, I have an example of this. So Chris at Oregon Ryegrass Spirits or Spiritopia, whatever, we made that ryegrass right. spirit, right? And uh, he was real excited about it but you can't call it a ryegrass whiskey. So like, how would you sell that? So what he ended up doing was making a whiskey and then just using a very small percentage of ryegrass, yeah. which, and like, cause they, they don't consider ryegrass a grain, which I'm like, well, so why he would have had to make, make it a DSS to. Yeah. What do you call it? If he was going to do a hundred percent ryegrass. Yeah. He also had to jump through hoops with the FDA because technically ryegrass was not approved for human consumption, even through actual spirits and distillate. So he had to do all that to get through. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a total boss, by the way. Like, guys, the fact that he did it is amazing. Yeah. He's like a, he's like my family. I love yeah. that man. Um, he's, he's made me who I am today. He's a big part of that. So, um, which maybe I shouldn't say that about him. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, like, like, right. Ruined the his business. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. But like the whole ryegrass thing and he never, our, our intention for that was never to use it as a hundred percent ryegrass spirit. But even if you use it as like, I see, cause I don't know the TTB regulations enough and I don't want to have a podcast where we just read down a government report about definitions of spirits because, that is slightly worse than our normal podcast. <laughs> Just a touch. And, uh, yeah. Or, or and better. Like, <laughs> yeah. But like, so what do you call it? And like, how do you market that? And that was kind of my whole point, right? So you go for cola approval. You have a vision. You're like, I want to call this a vodka. I want to call this a gin. Yep. I want to call this a whiskey. So you have to kind of – they limit you on what you can do there. The, American Single Malt is another huge example, right? right? I think yeah, a, the, a, a really good example is Barrel Aged Gin, yep. where a bunch of people ran into roadblocks <laughs> because the definition of gin is, I think, officially an unaged, unaged. spirit with made with, you know, vodka and juniper berries. Yeah. And as soon as they put it in a barrel and started calling it Barrel Aged Gin, it became this other thing. Yep. And you you can they, also look. There's even a couple companies out there that were trying to do like <laughs> barrel rusted vodka. Which yeah. again, that's that's pure marketing. Happus did yeah. that, right? But they yeah. he ran yeah. into a lot of problems with the TTB trying to get that cola approval through, mm-hmm. and eventually he, I think he was fighting that for months. But then one of the big producers actually had something on the market already with that terminology, and I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it was something like barrel rested. It wasn't barrel aged, but he was able to point to that and say, "Look, they're doing it. Can I do it?" And it still wasn't 
immediately approved. He had to still jump through a bunch of hoops and basically build a case to try and get that done. And I can't remember how that finally uh, settled up, but we're, we're seeing that a lot in the industry because American Craft Spirits, I think, one of the benefits is it's crazy innovative, but then they're running up against those standards of identity, against that categorization, and it's kind of hard for them to actually market it because it's so weird. One, one of my... F- one of my favorite stories is uh, this gin distillery kept trying to get a cola for their barrel aged gin, and they were trying to do all the right things, like you know, very obvious what was going on. <laughs> Sorry, what is that? I just heard every gulp of water. <laughs> I was, that was absolutely graphic uh, and excessive. Uh, uh, but so they they kept getting denied each time because there was the TTB was coming back and saying it's barrel aged; it's no longer a gin. So eventually they just broke down and they sent in this like the most flowery bullshit, like spent three weeks on a beach with an oak stave, you know, just total nonsense. And the TTB approved it. Mm-hmm. So they ended up contacting their their uh, senator and saying, dude, what what the fuck? Look, we're just a small business. We're trying to, you know, get this approved. And this is what they're allowing us to do, which is not great marketing for us, but is also very ridiculous. This is what we want to do, which is very straightforward, doesn't confuse the consumer at all, and they're not letting us do it. And as soon as they got, you know, in touch with a senator, I think he brought the hammer down. Mm. So we learned. We learned from this podcast. Call your senator. Yeah. 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 Use the wheels and of say, government. what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. As soon as he picks up the phone, because yeah. it's definitely going to be him picking up initially. the phone. Gonna, he's going to be like, hello, this is Senator. And you'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Listen, Senator, it's been a while since we've talked, yeah. but <laughs> Ver- verbatim, yeah. that's how you need to do that. I haven't what seen you since fuck? my bat mitzvah. I don't know why that came out. It seemed full circle. I, I imagine. And why Colton- is your senator? At your, why is your senator at your bar mitzvah? <laughs> it's Colton. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Colton is well connected yeah. via his foreskin. <laughs> oh, oh. Ah, oh. uh, gross. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was a conversation killer. Or actually, it could lead into a whole lot of segues because now all I can think of is foreskin pachuca, and I'm not happy about that. I don't know what I don't know what that is. You don't know what pachuca is? No. Okay, pachuca is another fantastic kind of weird product. That how do you categorize it? Um, pachuca essentially is, and I could be wrong on this, but I believe it originated in South America, Mexico, that area. Essentially, you hang an animal in the still. So Check, a lot a chicken of t- usually. Well, actually, it can be. I think it originally started out with like deer. A lot of times they'd use like a deer carcass, but chicken, deer, rabbits. They'll use different kind of animals and different cuts of the animal to basically, and they'll run it during the distillation process. And, and so it's like a it's corpse gin. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And you know what I learned last night? <clears throat> Thank you, Maggie Campbell, once again. Uh, they are genuine. The reason that works is that it's and I was a little drunk last night so I don't remember but it's either a I believe it's a positively charged you you have a lot of positive charged ions because of the animal and it attracts methanol and takes methanol takes heads out of your spirit but you don't know if that's true uh, because you weren't actually paying attention cuz you're too drunk yes uh I don't know about all that I mean <laughs> we're talking about things they were you know distilling in yeah. 1800s so but I bet it works slightly. Well, okay. Probably, from, yeah. from a scientific perspective, would some of those fatty elements, the oils, come across in the distillate? 
Yes. Bringing over some of those flavor components. It would definitely do something. <laughs> There's some kind of extraction that's going to happen there, right? Yeah. Right, because everything that we're we're distilling a vapor and you're making it a solvent that's going through this carbon being, yep. right? Yeah. And it's there's all these compounds. Sure, absolutely. I mean, it sounds vile, especially when you put it in terms of foreskin, <laughs> which now I'm going backwards. <laughs> See, now that's unfortunate. You'll yeah. never be able to yeah. think of Pachuga without the foreskin now. So apologies yeah. for that. Neither will you, listener. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, listener. <laughs> I actually think listener has given up, and now we just do this. For I really hope that listener, which is the saddest thing <laughs> ever. <laughs> I really hope listener just drinks, you know, Pachuga neat while he listens to us, so, <laughs> or they listen to us. <laughs> Dude, I want someone to go to their senator and order a Pachuca neat. Fuck yes. Oh, All right, so God. spirit categories, guys. I cannot wait until we get to see the open comment period on Pachuca category for the TTP. <laughs> Uh, well, no, th- this is good. So, like, how would – I mean, there's, like, hot-button topics that pop up when I thought about this. And it was ryegrass for sure. But, like, American single malt is another yep. one. And the whole coalition that's there to try and change that definition so we can be a little more loose and do some more experimentation. And, you know, I talk about American single malt a lot. And it's not that I drink a lot of American single malt. I don't. But I would like to. I just want something new and different and a creative take on yeah. it, right? Something that's not just a iteration Scott, of scotch. scotch repurposed, right? Yeah. And honestly, I mean, that, this could get into a whole different conversation about American distilling trends, product trends, consumer interest. But I think that is part of it is trying to find something that can be uniquely American, you know, in terms of its innovation. And at the same time, working within the category so it's not so loose that it could be anything. Because then at that point, you're just working with another DSS. And it could literally be anything the category doesn't have any meaning at that point. So single malt should still have some criteria. But I agree, it's got to be a little bit more open-ended so people can be innovative and experiment. Find some cool combinations. Or some terrible combinations. Poor DSS. Like, <laughs> it is the redheaded stepchild of categories, right? Well, I mean, what else would they do, though? Are, are they going to just make all these categories for all these weird things people want to do? It's a, it's a shame, though, because there are, like, these great things that I love that are going to fall into that category and kind of get lost in the shuffle. And, you know, you guys know I think highly of Tad from Ransom. Yeah. And his driver vermouth, where is that going to fall? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, in, and that dry vermouth. I don't know, though. Cool. I don't know. I, I feel mean, like I, when I think DSS, I mean, vermouth definitely falls in there. But vermouth is such a well-known category anyways. Right. It is, but who? But like, like, the, that, like, you could ask the layman vermouth. on the street, have you heard of vermouth? And they kind of know what it is, yeah. right? So Okay, what about what about uh, Mistel? Yeah, exa- exactly. That's a much better example, right. I would say. Right, yeah. and like, and those are two products that I love, too. And like, again, I'm going to go back to Chris. Like we made some version of a Palmo and I know Hubert, one of the best spirits I've ever had was a Mistel that Hubert made. And I was like, what, what is this magic? Yeah. And you know, there's you probably know. some truth in the fact that when it comes to categories, it's more important to us on, on the industry side because we care about it. We use it as shorthand on the consumer side, Colton, I think you were kind of touching on this when you're dealing with say an absinthe, the Consumers know, think of it as its own category. They're not really concerned about what a DSS is. Well, They're going to look yeah, at it. 
I I agree, except for when you want to be, when you want to do something that's unheard of. You know, if you want to make a spirit with a maple syrup base, right? Where do you fit in the liquor store? I like, right. guess we're that's concerned about category, but what sh- what shelf that, do you go on is yeah. is a big yeah. deal. Man, right. Colton, I always am shooting you down and disagreeing <laughs> with you, but tonight we are on fire. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I was like, my my issue isn't any of that. I don't give a fuck what people think about it. Like, I give a fuck where is it going to go on a shelf to where it gets exposure. Oh, yeah. And if if you make a DSS, you're going to put it in with Midori. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right. I shouldn't speak anything, but Midori is a fine, fine product. You should drink lots of Midori, listener. What's the uh, what's the Chicago spirit? The um, Merlot? Her. That just really rolls off the tongue. Yeah, I think I think that's what it is. That's what the the Brazilian murder murder murder. The Brazilian guy. Did you just make a Chicago murder joke? <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. I believe it's Merlot, and it's some weird sort of fernet. Intense. Yeah, uh, you're right. You're right. I had I had a malort with a slim jim in it when <laughs> I go. when I was there down in go. New Orleans. Yeah. No, because like we went to this spot. Whatever. I fucking love slim jims. <laughs> I don't even care. And yet you're like, talking shit about I, pachuga. Yeah. <laughs> what the yeah. fuck, dude? Mechanically separated chicken parts really get my blood flowing, or stop it from flowing. It's yet to be determined. Um, there's. No, I mean, so like we, I went to this place actually when I was down in New Orleans and the first thing I ordered, I saw they had uh Jermaine Robin brandy. I was like, oh, I'll have one of those. And they didn't know what it was. It wasn't on their list, but I saw it on the shelf and it was great because they're like, we don't even know what this is. I'm like, well, open it, drink it. Right. Because yeah. I'm not paying for this bill. <laughs> These people that I'm talking to are paying for this bill. So we all drank it and they're like, oh yeah, that's really good. I'm like, yeah, it's good. And then I told them about Hubert and the history of it and everything. They got super excited and they're like, you know, douchey servers. I just alienated all of them. <laughs> yeah, way to go. Way um, to go. Uh, so like, so like we got, we sat there for a while and ate a lot of good food and we're sitting there and uh, she brought out some drink that she mixed with a very specific IPA. It was like some kind of bitter in an IPA, and it tasted like it tasted like an Underberg, but if you put IPA in it, and that was good. And then she was like, "Oh yeah, this is the other thing I'm drinking that like all the servers are drinking, like so all the industry people, which is great to tap into them and see because they all want to drink, you know, pint glasses of Campari." Yeah, and uh, and it was a Malort with a Slim Jim, a freaking Slim Jim <laughs> in it. That's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. Well, right. so my someone my my someone has a picture of it. My <laughs> point was that the guy was worried that he was ending up next to Merlord on the shelves. So, my point was just you know pump that out in Chicago and you'll you know your business is fine. But anywhere else that gets stuck back of bottom shelf, nobody sees it, nobody knows what it is. What's all right? So, what's the TTB definition of Merlord? I would guess it's DD. It's DSS. Did right? you just make a new one? DDD. Yeah. Is it what, DDS. What is it? Yeah. Dangerously d- dental. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, yeah you I mean, really it, hit it, it there. It fits in that. It fits in that sort of Amaro Fernet category. So whatever, which are all DSS. which sucks though, because like Amaro and Fernet fits in with Palmo, and like. 
you're, obviously, I have a soft spot for Palmo. I love things with apples and using apples. I find apples to be a beautiful, beautiful fruit. And someday I would love to just work with all different apples from around the world and make different things. However, Palmo is this right, like fortified apple juice. And but it's usually fortified with apple brandy, right? So it's not. Yeah, it's fortified with apple brandy, but like, are they putting? Are they? Like, but so are they like putting you, botanicals and stuff in it, or? No, they're not. No, but are you gonna put? But you're gonna put that next to a fernet. Yeah. Therein lies my yep. issue. Whereas it's this wide net that DSS yeah. is. So, so how much of this problem is either solved or exacerbated by the idea of direct to consumer sales? So, if you could, as a consumer, go online to a website of a a producer directly or to some retailer and buy exactly what you wanted without dealing with shelf, you know, shelf space constraints and just working with whatever categories they build out. Is that solved part of the problem? I mean, granted that's kind of out there because direct to consumer is a whole different conversation that if it ever happens, will take a very long time with a whole hell of a lot of fighting on the wholesaler side. But assuming it could happen overnight, what do you think would that solve or make the problem worse? I think it would solve it because I don't think it would. then you're just you're just relying on what the maker is calling their spirit, and if they, but the, then you're going to get no. It's just going to make create a new problem. Yeah, you'll have more you'll, you'll have more education, something. but it also yeah. you know things will get you know it's still on the label. The problem is the back of the label is still going to say. If you're in DSS, you kind of have to say spirit made with whatever it is, right? So right. a Pomo is probably, you know, apple brandy made with fresh apple juice somewhere on there. Or I don't even know what's in Merlot, but... You just changed the name. <laughs> you did, you absolutely... <laughs> that was a different spirit I was talking about, guys. <laughs> Keep up. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a good question. I think you just create new problems that aren't really any better. I yeah, guess I mean if honest, you if you go direct to consumer, if, as long as they're already on your site, you know you've already run, won that shelf space fight. Right. right. Okay, we yeah. can get into this more later, but just real quick survey: What do you, each of you think of direct to consumer? Is it a good idea? Yeah. Or not? Zena, sure. what do you think? I th- oh, I thought I thought Colton was going to elaborate no. more than yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, um, yeah, I think that's great. I, I I would I would love that because I mean, my best experiences with is like I want to see who's making it. I want to make it. I want them to tell me about it because they're going to tell me what they love about right. it. Right, and if I either feel the same way or I think they're full of shit, it's still a better experience than having. You know, walking into a liquor store and rolling the dice. I mean, but it's not gonna. You get exposure. Yeah, it's not, it's not like it's ending liquor stores. So I don't I don't see a downside to it. If anything, it makes you more interested in more products, and you can learn more. And you're still gonna go to the liquor store a lot. Right. So it's I got a great liquor store story. It's real sad, actually. Um, <laughs> it was a Tuesday so, at 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost that bad. It was a Sunday. Um, Even worse. At like noon. <laughs> and my little cousin, who's he, I call him little. He's like my same age. He's like my brother. We're going in. I'm like, dude, let's get the uh, you go to the liquor store. Like we're right here. 
And we go in there, and there was like a man and a woman and their little girl. And this little girl was like, "Daddy, why do we have to go in here?" And like Ryan, my my brother and I looked at each other. We're like, "Oh God, we're gonna have to get a handle." <laughs> <laughs> The reason we have to go in there is because you keep asking stupid questions, little girl. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't hear the reply. And I thank the good Lord that I don't really believe in that that I didn't. (laughs) Which is even better because then we can assume what the reply was. Right, exactly. But I just remember that. Like, I can bring that up to my brother anytime I see him. I'm like, why do we have to go in here? And I was like, and I don't even know that she knew what it was. She's just like, you know, it's not a place with like fucking Super Bowls and Teletubbies. What it, Teletubbies? What is that's, yeah, uh, that's a good point. Back up. What is, what is a Super Bowl? Are they related? You to guys ter- don't know what a fucking, you guys don't know what a Super Bowl no. is? What the Must fuck? be a Pittsburgh thing. I used to be obsessed with Super Bowls. Bouncy balls? Like the little bouncy balls you get in the 25 cent machine? So you oh, mean bouncy called- balls? Yeah. Also yeah. known as balls Super that balls. bounce. I got a Super Bowl for each one. <laughs> Dude, if they bounce like that, you need to see a doctor immediately. Uh, I'm just worried uh, about your I health. I can't believe. Wait, is wait is Super Bowls a Pittsburgh thing? I, I doubt it is. I think Brian and I just never paid attention to the the branding, the, the oh, name the on the I, on the twenty five cent plastic yeah. ball. What the fuck? Zeno was a consumer whore from like age four. (laughs) You guys never had to go grocery shopping with your mom, and like the best part about it was you could get fifty cents to get. No, the best part of red. The the best part, right? No, the best part about grocery shopping with my mom was that I was a fat kid and I got to pick out a bag of candy every time. He got to make his Cheeto sandwiches. We've done Cheeto sandwiches, bag of jelly beans. You know, just an American (laughs) diet. The fact that I dodged diabetes is. Incredible. Oh, <laughs> the day is young. Yeah. Right? The beaties will take your toes. Yet. <laughs> Ooh, that's that's unfortunate. It really is. We shouldn't joke about diabetes. It's a very serious, especially disease for alcoholics. It's amazing <laughs> anytime Zeno draws a line at what not to make fun of, considering the level and the absurdity of the jokes that have already spilled forth. We're, we're choosing diabetes. I like that. But you got. I just joke because it makes me not deal with the real world. <laughs> That's why we enjoy talking to you. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think that we got down a little rabbit hole there with DSS, but it's a good, I think DSS, right? It's that wide net that encompasses a lot of things. Yeah. And it's all about, we're talking about these guide rails and do we want to break loose from them? Do you want to change? Let's take the most like one of the most traditional ones for us three Americans, right? Like, would you, if you could change something about the bourbon TTB identity, what would it be? Or would you say, no, it's fine the way it is and work within those guidelines. I like, I, I would keep it as it is. I just wish we could educate the consumer to show them how to branch out from there. Right, like I especially having to use new barrels each time. I well, think that's a wise man once told me wish in one hand, shit in the other, and see which one fills up faster. <laughs> so So I have a handful of wishes and <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> no I, But you're talking about educating a consumer, then you're into the marketing thing. I know. Like, I, yeah. But what is what is 
the whole point of the definition of bourbon is a marketing thing, right? No one would give a fuck about having a standard of identity if it wasn't marketable. Right. No, I think that's what it comes down to. I think bourbon itself is a fine category. It does its job. Once you start moving the goalposts on something established like that, you can potentially cause consumer confusion. So I think in a situation like that, some tradition, some, you know, some guidelines are okay. And, but then if you want to break out and do something new, like the American single malt, that's where you come together as a community. You try and identify what those guidelines are. And then once they're in, yeah, I think you try and stick to them, give yourself enough leeway that you can be a little creative, but Otherwise, I think it's good to have those guidelines because I think that actually helps strengthen the brand of that category. Because if you don't have those things, then again, you fall into the DSS trap where it's just, you know, you never know what you're going to get. And they don't play off of each other very well. So, all right. So it, it's all a marketing thing then, right? And you're kind of defining what was the, one of the first questions that we asked when we started talking about this is like, why were these put in place in the first place? Right. And you're like, oh, yeah. Because you don't want to confuse the consumers. They're like, hey, this is bourbon. Yeah. Right? Like that's – I mean the way you explained it kind of defined what we were asking and we didn't look it up and we have no historical reference and we don't know anything. But that kind of is what I'm – Welcome to Still Talking, listener. (laughs) However – all right. So let's say this, right? So what if I make a spirit that's 40% corn and some rye and some malt – and it's a great spirit. What do I have to call that? You have to call it a whiskey. Just just a whiskey. Okay. So does it does that have less of a impact into the market because it's just a general ass whiskey than if I could call it a bourbon? It depends on your marketing plan, but yeah, sales wise, yep. people so will buy that, bourbon faster, right? That's so. the strength of having those having those guidelines in a category is that you've got an entire brand built around a category and you're leveraging that intrinsic consumer knowledge and that popularity. So if gin is doing really well and is popular as a category, if you make a gin, you're going to be able to leverage that popularity. And yeah, I mean, it kind of sucks because we're not talking about the quality of the juice anymore. We're talking about marketing again, which tends to come up over and over and over, but we're in a business. That's always what it comes down to. Can you sell it? I guess. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 juice has to be good. It doesn't have to be exceptional. The marketing has to be great. Yeah. Always. And and like and I hate I hate that as a producer because I'm literally drinking something that has zero marketing <laughs> and zero backing anything. It's someone that someone gave to me that is a trusted source and he has a different you know, he came from a different country, a different background. He made different spirits. He made different wines and he gave me a spirit. And I was like, Oh yeah, fuck yeah. I'm going to drink that. Is it, is and it really, that's all about, is it really piney? No, it's not. Okay. Uh, it's, it's really fucking good. I'm like really bummed that you guys both aren't drinking. Yeah, it. we are too. Um, yeah. Um, it's like floral, but there has that, it has like that benzoaldehyde, like almonds, not, like the cherry, but like the almond things going on. It's it's a little estery, but I don't know. It's it's really fucking easy to drink. I'm like, I can't believe this is homemade. I'm like, this is really Home, nice. Homemade in New Zealand, obviously. Uh, I guess. I don't even know that it's homemade, actually. <laughs> he could have bought something and just poured it in a bottle. He literally <laughs> gave it to me and like... Not even Aquafina bottles. It was like Kroger brand water <laughs> bottles. Love that so much. And I'm like... 
I was like, I immediately poured it into like, you know, some glass <laughs> bottles I had at the distillery. But I was like, this is awesome. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> that handoff went super smooth. <laughs> it did. So let me tell you about this handoff, actually. So he's like, he, you know, he's like, I have this, I have my spear for you. And he has this thick accent and like, and he's like, oh, I'm like, he's like, let's just go to the truck now and I'll get it. I'm like, okay. And this is, this is lucky like, the Greek, right? Yeah. And he has like a four door truck. So he goes to open the back door. And it's locked. So he goes, he's like, all right. And he opens the front door to lock it, but he accidentally unlock it. He accidentally locked it and then closed the door and his keys were inside. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the smoothest. So he's this, he's one of my many, he's like one of like the 17 contractors that I'm super like, <laughs> I have to make sure all this shit happens in a set amount of time. So I'm like, all right. I was like, lucky. I'm like, oh man, don't worry about it. Like, I was like, go do what I need you to do. I'll take care of this. So... I've never used AAA in my life. Now I'm a commercial for AAA. Um, I've never used AAA in my life, but Alyssa has AAA, and I'm married to her now because she made a terrible mistake. <laughs> and I had this AAA. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll call them. And like, I called AAA, and they were there in like 45 minutes with like a, a tow truck from Bardstown, and the guy like got his keys out and immediately. And I was like, hey, Lucky, here's your keys. He's like, oh, I owe you so much. I'm like, no. It cost me literally nothing. Yeah. It cost and my wife a great that. deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's how I got this spirit, right? And like and again, it's one of those moments where I'm like, yeah, I'm doing the right thing because now I have this stupid story, this stupid bullshit that happened on this spirit that I've never had before, made from a guy that and I totally trust him that he handed me these shitty water bottles full of spirit that he had written in Sharpie on what it was. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. That is pretty great. So how do you categorize that, bitches? And by bitches, I mean TTT. <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't wait till they come on and inter- you know do an interview with us because they, they're going to be so excited to chat with quality should we, professionals, should we I guess. promote H, what would it be, HDS, Home Distilled Spirits? Oh! <laughs> Just categorize it I think HDS. we all have the appropriate level of cringe <laughs> when it comes to that. Yeah, and you know what? Listener definitely may not agree with us on that one, but uh, we should definitely do a podcast on home distillation and our thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah, we should. I just – it sucks. That's yeah. all. And I don't, I don't know that it will ever turn into like what homebrewing did. I mean because homebrewing was illegal for a while. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't, it, and, can't, it can't because it's just volume-wise, it's so much harder. But what it could do is elevate – you know, interest, especially craft distilling. That's that's why I would push for it. But. Yeah, but as a double macro distiller, I don't love craft distilling anyways. <laughs> well, I mean, you can walk into almost any bar and there's going to be a bartender who has his homemade liqueur or moonshine or some shit that he's going to, you know, pour you in the back bar. So it's not like it's happen- not happening right now. And usually the quality is just horrendous. But I agree, people who do it are incredibly passionate and it's... It, it just pushes the market. So, yeah, there's some benefit there. And, again, it comes back to marketing. Uh. It, it does come back to marketing. But, all right, so, and this is for another podcast, but I'm like, I always want to think about, like, where's the line where marketing sells something once, but a good product sells something multiple times? Because, like, to be honest with you guys, I don't give a fuck about selling something once. Yeah. I don't. Because yeah. sure. I can sell something once every time. 
What I can't do is sell it three times. Oh, I've got a bunch of products I only sell once. <laughs> <laughs> All of yeah. them. Yeah. Well, and it's amazing we've lasted this long. <laughs> spirits have such a bigger barrier to entry when it comes to selling the second bottle than beer or wine. Because when you buy a bottle of high-proof spirits, it's going to last longer than a six-pack of beer. Or a single Whoa. bottle. Of, well, okay, okay. We're not talking about <laughs> yeah. an old granddad, but we're talking yeah, about the no. average consumer <laughs> is going to buy one bottle of high proof spirits. I can't remember the exact exact statistics, but you know, it's not going to be even once a month. You know, you're looking at once every three months, something like that. So you have to keep in their mind share and be good enough that they go back and pick you up again, as opposed to some other random bottle. I think that. Yeah, it's about depletion, yeah. right? Like that's why you need bars to carry it. Yeah. Like, you know what I want to make, guys? The best fucking well spirit oh my God, ever. Yes. Yeah. That that yeah. I want to do a All podcast right. on is is yeah. back bar versus well. And we should do it in a Ooh. bar together. <laughs> yeah. Whilst comparing. I just chug in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Hey, I should probably wrap it up. I got to get up, get the kids in bed, do all that stuff since this is two nights in a row. Try and be a halfway decent dad. All right. So wait. So we need to do final thoughts. <laughs> final thoughts. Uh, I'll go first because I always feel like I'd never go first. Um, I also don't care. But uh, <laughs> we can tell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a secret. <laughs> I I really I can't tell you if I like the guidelines of categories or if I dislike them. Because I am a person who loves the creative spirit. No, well, that's actually a pun intended. And I want, <laughs> I want to try something new and different. And I don't want it to be pigeonholed because it's trying to sell something from its label. And ultimately, as I always say, the proof is in the pudding. I care about the liquid. So I think that they're good because you have to work within these guidelines and it, it forces you to be creative in a different way. But I'm okay with a little stretching of those sometimes. And that's why I think American Single Malt and products like that are, I'm excited about to see where it goes. And to like, okay, we created a new guideline. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. I would, I would agree with most of that. And just say, use the guidelines, leverage the popularity of a particular product category there's nothing wrong with that there's been a lot of really good product that's already you know laid the foundation for you so learn from it but yeah find something that's kind of your own niche make it unique interesting and you know like we talked about last time when it comes to local ingredients sometimes that can be the hook to make it a little different but you know don't just rely on a gimmick it's got to be something that makes the juice good because again echoing what Zeno said it's got to sell the second bottle too so don't rely too heavily necessarily on those guidelines. Be creative, be innovative, but you're going to be able to uh, get a lot of extra marketing out of a popular brand. As a consumer, what what I would advocate and suggest is when you go in a liquor store, you know, go buy you know something within the standard guidelines, bourbon, gin, whatever, but go also go buy a bottle of something in DSS. I think we talked about it a bajillion times. Go, you know, that's where that's where all the weird shit is. Go, you know, buy a second bottle. Weird is good. Weird get is something, good. Get something you know so you know you have something good to drink that night. And then maybe you'll have something great and maybe you'll have something weird. You don't know. But 
spend that just little extra amount of money and kind of you know take a chance. Man, cool. That would be my well this, done. This is the best episode ever <laughs> where I've agreed with everything you said. <laughs> I hope that oh, means man, the next all episode wrong is going to be a God fucking train wreck. <laughs> Nothing he says is going to be right. Yeah, be weird. Even if it's bad, you still have a data point. Right. Yeah. So. All right. So all this right. is a podcast. Listener, go ahead and friend us on MySpace. Send us a text message on ICQ. Whatever. I don't fucking care. Snapchat. <laughs> Your dick. <laughs> <Swipe>. <laughs> Listener, swipe right. Or vagina. Swipe right on all of us. Did you just say Even wipe cold. right? <laughs> swipe right. Dude, that's not how buttholes work. <laughs> yeah. Do we need a whole podcast on education? Uh, you know, it's probably best if you don't leave us a review on iTunes, especially after this. Man, um, just, these yeah. outros are just going south fast. <laughs> I kind of like where they're going, yeah. so you're welcome. <laughs> All right, you're welcome, Devin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Love All right. you all. Cheers. Done.